Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. We've got a ton to go over today, a lot to catch up on. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joining me is Keith Smith. Find him at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, here we are back in the saddle and ready to break down a lot today. Yeah, this is what happens when we have to take a couple of days off because we're both a little under the weather. Yep. Uh, so we, we we took a little bit of time off. We're playing a little hurt for you today, but but we're going to power through and get, give you a show where we're, we're get a whole bunch of stuff uh, to catch up on. So we're going to split it up east and west uh, just to kind of keep it organized. And Trevor and I were talking a little uh, inside baseball here. We, we didn't want one show just to become, all right, we're just going to list all everyone who's out in the health and safety <laughs> protocols for the next 10 minutes because quite frankly that that becomes a bit of a downer so we are uh we're we're, we're gonna split it up eastern conference western conference a big news catch up mm-hmm. update with some uh, of our own thoughts obviously mixed in on that and let's go yeah and uh what better way to start it off than with the team that a lot of people have been buzzing about in the east the indiana pacers you know, a couple of days ago uh, apparently made the decision that they are okay with a rebuild and, and kind of tearing things down. Miles Turner had some comments about how he doesn't like being seen as just a role player, believes that's what the Pacers see him as. That got me thinking, though, Keith, what does he think his new team is going to see him as? Like, yeah. Is there a team out there that's trading for him thinking, okay, this is now the centerpiece of our team? I don't. I feel like Turner's comments, as much as they might say, say he's got one foot out the door in Indiana, they could also scare away potential suitors if it looks like he wants a role that's maybe, frankly, a little bit bigger than what he's suited for. Yeah, I mean, this is year seven for him. So if he was going to be this, and in, 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 I'm putting words in his mouth a little sure. bit here, but if he sees himself as a Joel Embiid type or a Nikola Jokic type where it's, hey, run the offense for me. Get me a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to dominate because it's definitely the offensive end. He, he was pretty clear about that. It's the offensive end where he wants to be more involved. You would have shown it already by now if, if you were that guy and the team would have, I would hope, have built a roster around you. That said, I'm not the biggest Miles Turner guy in the world, but I am – not an idiot about it either. I think he is a good player. If he is your fourth or fifth best guy, you probably have a really, really good team. If he's your first or second best player, you're probably like a little bit like the Pacers where it's, it's you're, you're good, but not great. So I think that is the, the challenge for Indiana is where do you go with this now? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're another team, you're having to probably bring him in and sell him on, hey, you're coming in here to to supplement what we already have to be a big part of that. Now, that's a heck of a lot easier to do if it's, hey, we think you can lift us in the title contention versus, you know, hey, come here and still be you know, around 500 at best mm-hmm. and battling for the playoff spots. So, yeah, I'm not exactly sure anybody's going to trade for him with the idea of, all right, we're, we're bringing you in and here's 20 shots a night or anything like that. I just don't see it. So if, but if that's how he sees himself, which is kind of, you know, and again, we don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's what, what these comments kind of suggest that he sees himself as more than just a role player. If you're a team trading for him, that is a little bit of a red flag to me. And like, but like you said, though, if it's, if it's, you know, let's say the warriors package together some assets and they go get him, that's an easier sell than if a, a kind of middle of the pack team, makes a trade for him for and, sure. and, says, and expects him to be the piece that lifts them to another level or something like that. So will be interesting yeah, to see a team 
like Orlando. I'm not oh, sure. just making yes because I don't think they'd be involved here at all. They're not at that level of the rebuild. But let's say they wanted to get involved to trade for him. Yeah, they're not doing it with the idea of yeah, we've just been waiting for somebody to unlock Miles Turner and make him, you know, the the a top three center in the NBA. I just, I don't, I just can't see that. I just can't get there um, with any team seeing him that way. And, and with what you said is, yeah, if, if you're, if that's where his mindset is, you have to have some form of uh, reality check. If you're both the Pacers and any kind of acquiring team of, Hey, that's just not where we're going. Now, just to wrap this up, to flip it, if you're the Pacers to these comments, then if the play, we've heard the Pacers are going to trade, at least one of Miles Turner and Domitas Sabonis. Does this then push you more towards, okay, fine, Sabonis, you're staying, Turner, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're the guy that's gonna get traded then because of these comments? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I think it was more of him being candid and honest sure. than it was any shots at the organization. Because normally when you get those shots at the organization, you start to get some uh, uh, comments along the lines of, you know, they haven't used me properly. I haven't been developed. I haven't been, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think it was more just of, yeah, we have all these other guys, like, and I think I could can play a bigger role. So I think that's probably more of the thought process here with, with Turner. And if you're the Pacers, I don't think that changes your mind. Personally, I would prioritize keeping Sabonis over Turner. I just think he's a better player. Yes. Um, and More I valuable. think he's proven that. Yeah. I mean, he's an all-star. He's two-time all-star. So I think that is, you know, a thing where that just, you know, some will say it's easier to make – the all-star team is a big than it is any other position and all that. And I don't know that that's necessarily true because he's the guy who's getting in as like a wild card pick, not right. a, uh, you know, selected pick like that. So yeah, I, I think it's in the end, we'll, we'll see. I don't think this changes really anything from the Pacers uh, decision-making process. All right. I agree. And we'll see what winds up happening here with the Pacers does sound like they are primed to make a move. They're one of several teams now as we're inching closer to that December 15th, date when much of the free agents who were signed this last offseason become tradable, which means NBA trade season is, well, I mean, just about here now. Uh, Bradley Beal. Yeah, a few days away. Yeah, just a few more days and we're there. Bradley Beal, the Washington Wizards, uh, had some comments recently that sounded a little bit less certain about staying in, in Washington, sure. a little bit more, I don't want to say selfish, but more interested in you know his own future than what we've seen. He's very typically been... Hey, I'm a team first guy, you know, that that sort of mentality. And now we've got him here saying that he's, you know, he's open to doing what's best for himself. That said, I still get the sense that what he really wants, option one, two, and three, maybe four for him is stay with the Wizards. Uh, but he wants to make sure that he uses this, this opportunity, this leverage that he's got to push the Wizards to continue to do whatever it takes to build a winning team around him. Yeah, and in, in this, this was a, uh, really good uh, uh, get by Chris Haynes at Yahoo Sports. Chris has done a wonderful job getting these star guys to kind of open up to him and be very candid and have these discussions with him. So this was, I highly recommend you go listen to the entire podcast. So there's a bunch of articles out there that kind of summarize it too all over the place. But yeah, Beal was, I hate to keep using the term candid, but that's what he was. He, he was candid. He, he was open about, Hey, at some point I got to be selfish and do what's best for me instead of what's always best for the team. He was also extremely complimentary of them 
going out and getting the package they did for Russell Westbrook. And he was like, when I saw that, I was like, man, it's tough to trade Russ, but we're getting a bunch of guys who can play and help us. And, and they, they have, I mean, three key rotation players for them as they've uh, gotten off to, they're starting to slide a little bit now. What are they? They are uh, 15 and 11. They're four and six in their last 10. So they've slid a little bit in the East, but they're still, I think better than most people expected. Uh, So yeah, I, I think it's just Beal, being honest about, hey, I have to keep everything on the table here. I can't just go in with the mindset of I'm here forever and I'm never going to play anywhere else. And I, and I think that's the right right approach to take if you're, if you're him. Because as you said, this is kind of LeBron kind of pioneered this a little bit of let's just keep putting pressure on the organization by yep. never fully committing, you know, forever. And, that, and that's not a criticism at all. I, I think that's your superstar right is you know put pressure on and if they don't get it right you can always ask for a trade yep yeah exactly and i I don't think i think beals made it very clear how he feels about washington sure he just wanted (laughs) as has his wife yes yeah i mean so he (laughs) just important he just wants to make it very he wants to make sure that he takes every shot that he's got to build a winner and that's and that's perfectly understandable so i don't have a problem with him putting pressure on the organization at this point because he's also made it clear that he's not he's shown the love to the wizards shown the love to wizards fans now he's just trying to do number one what's best for himself but also what might be best for the organization kind of have that that fire lit under them the entire time so i don't think there's an issue here and like i said i i don't think he's going to leave the Wizards, we'll see what they do here as the trade deadline comes up. Are there some moves they can make to kind of push themselves to the next level? We'll see. But I don't have a problem with with what Beal is doing here. I don't think this is a, a bad thing for the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. No, I co- completely agree. And I think, think Washington nothing changes for them they can still pay him far more than anybody else can they can lock him up for that fifth year he's starting to get to the point in his career where those years do matter a little bit more uh, than they would for you know one of these guys who's signing a new a younger player signing a new contract so it's I, I, I wouldn't by any means did I read read and listen to these comments and say that's it he's out he's he's let's get to the trade right. machine and start you know dreaming <laughs> no. up deals I wasn't there at all I just think this is, uh, you know, for Bradley Beal, this is just, again, being completely honest. While also, hey, Washington, a little pressure on you. Let's make sure we get this right. All right. Uh, seems like your guy, Danny Ainge, is getting a little antsy sitting at home and not, <laughs> and not working right now. Uh, he's open to an advisory position somewhere. I know there's been a lot of buzz about him maybe taking over in Portland. And I guess we'll see where that leads. But sounds like it's more like he wants to be an advisor somewhere rather than kind of take over as a general manager again uh, someplace. But interesting that Danny Ainge is already kind of itching to get back to it. Yeah, it's absolutely no surprise. I mean, this guy is legendarily competitive. Um, he, he, you know, he, even the story since he's been retired for years of him on the golf course, you know, going at people and all those kind of things. So that, that doesn't shock me at all that he is, you know, kind of, I want to get back in. I want to be involved again. And it also doesn't surprise me that he's saying, I don't necessarily want to run the whole show. Yeah. I mean, he's, Quite frankly, he's old. It's, you know, it's, I don't want to be insulting, but he's old. He's had two heart attacks now. His family had been pushing him for years to, you know, step back and, you know, let someone else take, take the reins in Boston. And then, you know, I, I think this is one where what he would like to be is like what Jerry West is now for the Clippers. Of, yeah. yeah, I'm not running things, but 
nothing really happens without me having some say in it too. So I think that's where he would ideally like to be. And my guess is that's going to be in Utah because that's where he's living now. He's yeah. moved away from the Boston area. So my guess is that'll be you know where that happens. But maybe it's Portland, you know, uh, inexperienced interim general manager. Maybe he says, hey, I'm happy to lend a hand for a franchise I played for. And, and he's a native of the uh, Portland area. Yeah, certainly wouldn't hurt for Portland to add in kind of the steadying hand that uh, Danny Ainge can bring. Ben Simmons, not siren worthy or nope. anything like that. <laughs> Don't have a queued up. But we did get the news that uh, that he's open to a trade to the Spurs, which we had heard that you know, okay, he wants to be in California, he wants to be uh, with one of the West Coast teams and that sort of thing. Now open to potentially going to San Antonio. And I think the interesting thing here is that the Spurs, as you've mentioned many times here, Keith, they're not the team to make midseason trades, but they do if they decide, you know, we're going to break our quasi rule, whatever we want to call it, our preference to not do midseason trades. They actually have some young pieces that they could put together to potentially interest the 76ers. I don't know if it's enough for what compared to what the 76ers want. Then again, frankly, probably nobody has enough <laughs> if, uh, if we're basing it on what the 76ers want. Uh, but interesting. I don't know that that's where he ultimately winds up, but perhaps another landing spot to consider. Yeah, and you mentioned the young pieces because a big part of a Simmons trade, as we've repeatedly said, is the salary matching. You have mm -hmm. to be able to get up to to the the, the money that, that Simmons makes, which is, let's make sure we get the exact figure right here. I think it's, yep, just over $33 million. So I, I, it's funny, I threw out somewhere, I said $30 million. I think it was on one of our shows. Somebody's like, stop saying that. It's 33 and then it's 35 <laughs> And I'm like, all right. Fine. Um, so let's be correct. 33 plus million, just a little bit over. Uh, so you got to get there. Now, San Antonio can get there relatively easily because they've got Thaddeus Young. He's already half of it at 14 million. And then presumably at least one of DeJounte Murray or Derek White would have mm -hmm. to go in that deal. Now, I think there was a point in time where DeJounte Murray as kind of the headline piece might have been something San Antonio may have considered. I'm not so sure now. Do you do you have any idea what his numbers look like on this season? Um, yeah, they're good. They're they're do, really good. The, let, let me read them to you because I don't know. I know if they're you, amazing, but I knew they were good. They're better than I thought. Eighteen point nine points per game, eight point four rebounds, eight point five assists, and one point nine steals. And he's doing it on pretty decent percentages: forty five percent from the floor, thirty. 5% from three, and he's up to 70% from the free throw line. Doesn't get to the line an awful lot, but uh, one of the best rebounding guards in the game mm -hmm. at this point. You know, 8.4 rebounds per game is impressive. He's also an extremely good defender. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I don't know that they're going to be jumping at the uh, idea of, hey, let's ship him out along with other stuff for Simmons. Um, they'd be a great get for Philly if they could, because uh, Mari's also, this is his age 25 season too. So a uh, young guy who's still got you know, room to grow. And sometimes one of the things that does come along later for uh, guards can be the jump shot. We've seen that sometimes mm -hmm. it develops a little bit later into the career and he's starting to show signs of that. So now from the Spurs perspective, you've got him locked up fully guaranteed for the next three years at 15.4, 16.6 and 17.7. That's not, I'd be, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't, he would not be part of a trade package for me if I was the Spurs. There's other ways to get there for sure mm -hmm. if they wanted to go that direction, but that's one that maybe. Let's see where the Spurs are at the end of the season. If Simmons still isn't traded, let's see where it is, and let's let's uh, have a chat around the draft or beginning of the offseason. 
If you're the 76ers, would you be willing to do a deal with the Spurs if they say no DeJounte Murray? Like, can you walk away from that trade and not get DeJounte Murray? Uh, it depends on what else is on the table. Right. Right, obviously. Like first and things still, like that. Yeah, if there's other picks or I can turn around, I feel like if there's still a belief of we can turn around and trade Simmons as part of a package for Damian Lillard or something like that, maybe. Um, we're going to get into that when we get into the West side of things. Um, but, yeah, that – yeah, I, I would have a hard time if I was Philly. So I would want to hold firm there and say I want uh, Murray. Absolutely. And then, again, from the from the Spurs side, I think you're right. I think if you're the Spurs, no, obviously, defensively, Ben Simmons is all-world, one of the best defensive sure. players in the NBA. So, so Murray and him are on a different level there. But just in terms of production-wise, you talk about those numbers, and the first thought in my head is, isn't that kind of what you hope to get out <laughs> of Ben Simmons? Right? Like those, but at least he shoots the ball. Yes, but he, the and he shoots the ball. So, <laughs> yeah. and obviously a big difference on defense and you know the size and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I'm not saying they're the same player, but no. just that that sounds very much like what you would hope to see out yeah. of Ben Simmons in terms of of production. Yeah, you so. can get 16, eight, and eight. Yeah, you're you're feeling pretty good. But yeah, absolutely, I also look at it as. If I'm the Spurs, I'm getting 16, 8, and 8 from a guy who will shoot for half the money. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably good. Right. I'll stick with what I got. Uh, moving on to Cleveland. The surprising Cleveland Cavaliers, who have been a lot better this season than yeah. what we would have anticipated, uh, may have turned the mentality, right? This is a team where heading into the season, we would have said, okay, trade deadline starts inching up. This team is going to be a seller, right? They're going to be a team that's going to look to part with pieces Maybe you move on from Ricky Rubio if you can find a, a, a contending team that needs veteran help, things of that nature. Well, now they've been a lot better than expected, and they may have shifted into being buyers instead. Yeah. And one of the guys they're interested in, just like everybody around the NBA buzzing about the Pacers sale going on, Karis LeVert uh, wouldn't be a bad guy to target to replace what you were getting from Colin Sexton. Uh, especially if the Cavs think, you know what, this is it. This is, we really are a good team and uh, we're, we're going to be a playoff squad this season. Yeah. And I think what's interesting as you look at this is their one kind of weak spot now in their opening group is Isaac Okoro. He just hasn't come along as an offensive player the way you would have hoped. Darius Garland, he's been great. He good. has been really, yep. really good. Uh, the, the goofy three big Grouping works because Markinen is spending most of his time on the perimeter on offense and Mobley can defend everybody. Um, he's you know just unreal on defense. So that's why that is working. So it's kind of become that two-guard spot. Uh, if anything, they really need offensive creation because it's Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio and nobody else. Yeah. It's uh, no one else can create anything for themselves or their teammates. And that's what Levert can do. Um, is he a perfect player? No, he's he's pretty inefficient at times with the way he shoots it. He tends to go through these turnover binges. We're throwing it all over the place. But here's the other thing. If you're the Cavs, if you've decided, yeah, we're not going to resign Colin Sexton. Uh, just, you know, the money's going to be too much or whatever yep. the reason being. You could put Sexton and a guy like Jetty Osmond together with a pick and go get Karis LeVert, I would imagine. Because if I'm the Pacers, then I'm looking at it as, all right, now, we can resign Sexton probably to a more team friendly deal because he's coming off the injury than what it might have been otherwise. Uh, Osman, yeah, he's okay, I guess. Um, and then we get a pick and we start to this rebuild, retool, reset process, whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. And you know what? Like, let's say both players were healthy. Who would you rather have, Colin Sexton or, or Karis Levert? 
Colin Sexton. Agreed. I so would. if you're if you're the Pacers, you're shelling yourself on that, right? If we're going to start rebuilding, yep. then this season doesn't matter that much to us anyway. So if we lose the production of Karis Levert, okay, that's just going to increase our draft pick uh, this coming off season or increase our lottery odds anyway. And then yep. in the long run, which is what you care about more now, if you're in a rebuild, you get arguably the better player. I like that that deal a lot for both sides. I like that for the Pacers, and I like that too to give a boost to the Cavs. You know, you look at the Cavs; they're five and five in their last ten. The teams ahead of them, though, the Heat and the Wizards, are both four and six. There may be some opportunities for them to move up, but they've also got some good teams behind them: the 76ers, the Hawks. Yeah. You have to imagine these teams are going to continue to improve. Your Celtics are going to get Jalen Brown back. When that starts to happen, the Cavs have got to make sure that they're keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. So. Landing a guy like Levert, even if it means sacrificing, arguably, again, the better player in Colin Sexton, might make sense for a Cavs team that could really jump up in terms of the perception of them around the NBA if they solidify themselves as a playoff team. So I like that deal a lot, Keith, for both sides. Yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things, too. You have to factor in it means a lot to Cleveland to be in the postseason. They haven't been in in there in a long time. And ideally, you'd want to be six and be in the actual playoffs. Mm -hmm. But even to get to the play into the play in, I think I think this is also a deal that it's not bad long term because then you have Levert next year, too, because he is under contract. Uh, you can really kind of then or what are we looking like? Do we still like the three big grouping? Mm -hmm. uh, how does this work with, with Levert uh, here? Can we upgrade and maybe move him into like a, you know, super six man role uh, where, you know, he just can kind of do his thing on second units and cook off the bench for us. What does that look like? And that's where I think it becomes a whole um, package too of you're also getting rid of Osmond's money, which yep. is not, it's not terrible because it's so low. It's less than 10 million, but it's, it's not great. So you're, I, I think this is just one where if you want to move on now, if you're sold, Hey, we're going to resign Colin Sexton and we're going to be the ones who get him on a more team friendly deal. Then you don't do this and sure. you just, you know, ride it out and maybe a smaller acquisition comes along that helps you or something like that. But yeah, it's uh, it, it is interesting. That one kind of popped in my head. I think when we initially started talking about these uh, Pacers rumors a couple of days ago, and it just, you know, continues to make a lot of sense. And, and it ties in too, to the rumors that we were hearing. I don't remember how long ago it was, but that before the injury that the Cavs might be ready to move on from Colin Sexton yeah. to begin with. So works out there. And again, I think the Cavs are in a really interesting position in the East because they are in a prime spot to move up, but they're also in a position where they could slide back a lot. They're only a game up on your Celtics for the 10 seed right now. And they're in the sixth spot right now. So there's a jumble in the middle of the East mm -hmm. and uh, they've got to have some incentive to, to make a push here and, uh, and do something to kind of put them over the top. Yeah, it kind of feels like 11 teams for 10 spots yep. in the East um, really right does. now with the Knicks um, there. Because I, I just, the Raptors and Pacers, they, they were only a little bit out of that 10th playing spot. I just don't see that, especially the Pacers were already hearing, right? They're going to start moving players. And the Raptors, they kind of, I think, sent a message at the end of that Oklahoma City game that they lost the other night when it was... Huh, you're in the super tight game against a bad team that you should beat, and you're playing a bunch of your bench guys at the end. Right. Um, but I know part of it was the bench guys were playing okay, but that to me says, eh, I don't know that Toronto's priority is necessarily on, hey, let's really push, which I don't know that it should be for them to push to be just in the plan. I, I think it's, uh, you know, hey, if they, we can get another high pick, put it with Scotty Barnes and some of our guys. 
we're all of a sudden in, in pretty good shape here. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. Hardship except, exceptions here. <laughs> yeah. Man, they've been decimated with uh, with health and safety protocols, but they've added Stanley Johnson and Alfonso McKinney to wing players to help kind of round out their roster. Also, two more, okay, technically, former <laughs> Lakers. Stanley Johnson claimed off the South Bay Lakers in the G League. Interesting that that's what the route they've gone. I'm going to start calling them Lakers East now that they've got those two guys plus Caruso plus Lonzo Ball. But uh, but they've been they've had a great season, and unfortunately they are being decimated right now with health and safety protocols. So it makes sense that they would go land a couple players like this that they can just kind of plug and play wings that can help get them by. At this point, you could probably include Demar Derozan in there. I mean, he's been rumored to play for the Lakers so many times. So <laughs> he's trying to. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to. It's just never worked out. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I mean, tough for for the Bulls, right? They mm-hmm. they are uh, they're just going through right now with with COVID and then you know the actual injuries to Caruso, Patrick Williams, uh, poor Kobe White gets back. He's only back for like a week and then he's off into the COVID protocol. So yeah, it's a uh, it's gonna be be a little bit touch and go for them right now. That they're, they're really gonna be working through. It's gonna be a lot of Levine and Vooch. They need. Uh, Lonzo to step up and then this is where that bench depth is tested now I've been critical of their depth in the past anybody would be in rough shape with you know this many guys out five players in the health and safety plus two injuries yeah you're, you're gonna be you know in, in rough shape there but Absolutely. yeah I'm very uh curious to see where this what this team looks like in a couple weeks before these guys are all back yeah, it's something where the Bulls, uh, again, when they're healthy, this team is 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 fantastic. Yeah, they're just they, as good as the Bucks and the Nets, I think. Absolutely, and which has been which has been amazing. It's been yeah. amazing how good they've been this season. Not certainly not what we would have projected for them, but they got to get get healthy here. And um, yeah, it's been certainly a disappointment. And we're seeing this around the league where we've got the more and more cases that are falling into health and safety protocol. Speaking of which we're finishing out the show here with Rick Carlisle, uh, the Indiana Pacers even have to cancel practice. Masai Ujiri, uh, as Raptors well. also canceled practice. Uh, yesterday. Right. Good news out of Toronto reports are no positive tests amongst Great. the players. Uh, so that's good. That That is indeed good news, but this is something that is starting to rear its ugly head again as a bigger and bigger issue. We're not at the point where we've lost any games or had to postpone any games like we saw last season, but it feels like that may be kind of the direction things are heading at this point. Hey, let's talk about the Bulls for a second just because I wanted to pull up what their schedule looks like. So they play the Heat on Saturday, and then then it's pretty light. Detroit, Toronto, I promise I'm not taking a shot, but the Lakers aren't what we thought they would be. Then yep. Houston, Toronto again, and Indiana. That gets you like just past Christmas. And by that point, these guys should hopefully be back. That's that's 16 more days. So even if it's the full 10-day absence and then a handful of days on the back end for reconditioning, that should get you back to, mm-hmm. to these guys back. So that's fairly favorable, I would say, um, especially this year where it's it's just hard to cherry pick wins off anybody's schedule just because there's so few truly terrible teams. Right. Um, I, I think, I think, you know, getting Toronto twice in there, Detroit, Houston, uh, they do get the Lakers at home and it's an afternoon game on a Sunday. So that's always, you know, a questionable thing for a, t- a West coast team yep. uh, going East ish. Chicago's not exactly East, but, uh, yeah. So Miami, that's clearly the toughest one. It's also very home heavy. Only the Miami game and one of the Toronto games are on the road. 
in that period. So, you know, hang in there. If if they can get through that looking pretty good, they're going to be tough the rest of the way in the East. Yep. They just have to weather the storm right now. Um, anything that you want to say about the health and safety stuff before we, we wrap it up and get ready for the Western conference portion of the show. Yeah. The only thing I'll say is a very, very popular question that I'm getting asked by a lot of people is, uh, is there any news? Do we have any thought that the uh, NBA may shut down? Uh, the answer is no, they're, they're not going to one is, um, this is not like it was two years ago, obviously. Um, it's also not even what it like what it was last year because so much of the league is vaccinated. Uh, even the the vast majority of the players who are testing positive are are still asymptomatic and are feeling pretty good um, through this. So there's no sense that the league is going to shut down. They could do something where a team maybe has a game or two postponed and yep. then those get tacked on uh, you know, later in the schedule, but they're trying not to do that because you don't want to force almost always when you do that, some poor team ends up with some crappy travel situation yeah. or and, it ends and like up three in a, games and three nights or something. It, yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Back to back to back games or something. So they really don't want to do that out of teams. So and they're encouraging teams. We, we amended the CBA to allow for hardships when you have uh, multiple players out due to COVID absences, as we just talked about the Bulls. Bulls are up to you know 19 total players on the roster now uh, because they, they went and signed a couple guys. So they're going to encourage teams utilize the tools that are available to you. Uh, you know, try to try to get you know through this and see see where we go. But no sense that there's going to be any form of shutdown. All right. So I I think that's great news for basketball fans that the NBA is not going to be looking at shutting down anytime soon. Not a surprise, but again, that's yeah. that's you know reassuring to hear that. Hopefully we don't see any teams have to postpone games, but I do think that kind of wraps things up for the Eastern Conference segment. Let's pause for just a moment to talk about Theragun. You don't want to let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. I've been trying to get back into running, and Theragun has helped me out so much getting through that muscle pain, that fatigue that I feel after each and every run. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension like me from working out or injury or just the stress of everyday life as well, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. It's trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at $199.00. Go to therabody.com slash office right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash office, therabody.com. Sports betting is a lot of fun, but it can also be a little bit overwhelming. At least that was my experience. I struggled getting into it at first. It just felt like there was so much out there, but BetQL Daily helped me out a lot. You can understand where the market is moving, which smart bets are out there, and have some fun listening while you're at it. BetQL Daily is sponsored by FanDuel, and it's the must-listen show for sports bettors and sports fans alike. What I love about this show is the entertainment factor. It's not just informative, but it also is just a lot of fun to listen to. The hosts go back and forth. Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth do a great time serving up wagertainment 
the sports talk you love with the betting insights you need each weekday. You can find out where the market is moving across all of the week's biggest sporting events. And if you miss out on earlier games, BetQL Daily has you covered there too. They give you recaps from some of the biggest recent moments in sports. So they really have you covered across a number of bases. If you're not sure where to start with sports betting, start with BetQL Daily presented by FanDuel. Listen weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Welcome back, everybody. If you caught the earlier show today, we talked about everything going on in the Eastern Conference. Now we're going to jump over to the Western Conference. Let's kick off the West with the Portland Trailblazers, where we already had rumors about a a potential change (laughs) going on there. I mean, obviously, Neil O'Shea out, but we've heard a lot about uh, some, you know, maybe some moves that could be happening there. And then, of course, an un- unfortunate situation with CJ McCollum. So, Keith, let's just jump right into it. Where are we at right now on the Portland Trailblazers? Uh, should we be expecting a big shakeup trade? What's uh, what's in store for them? Yeah, I don't I don't think we have a real clear answer to that. But what we do know is their interim general manager, Joe Cronin, who's been with the team for a while. He's uh, known as a cap guy, uh, but he's been been doing a lot of different things. He was a scout for the team uh, prior to that. He he has basically been given full control. So this isn't just a sit there, keep the seat warm, uh, maybe sign a 10 day contract or something. Uh, No, he can make trades if he wants to and all those kind of things. And that's even knowing he may not have the full power, but he was very clear in an interview with the athletic with Jason quick, go check that out Uh, beyond just, to read everything Jason Quick writes because he's amazing. Um, but a lot of good stuff in there. And one of the things he says is we're not rebuilding. We are not going to rebuild. Uh, we still believe we can win. We still want to win. Uh, but what we're going to do is look to enhance was his term uh, to the roster. So what does that mean? We who really knows um, with <laughs> right. that. But what I think it means is uh, you could probably start plugging in, you know, or stop plugging in Damian Lillard, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and everything of value into the trade machine and getting picks and young players and everything else because it doesn't sound like Portland's interested in that. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to be a buyer rather than a seller. That's my my takeaway. They will be looking yep. to to bring in guys to help them out. Um, is that going to do? They really have the assets though to get anything done. That's that's been the stopping point, right, for the yep. Blazers for a while for a while here. When we're looking at this team. We know they want to win. We know they want to improve this team around Damian Lillard, but how do you do that given the assets that they've got and the assets that they've already spent on players like going out and getting, you know, Larry Nance and, and players like that? Exactly. That that that's the challenge is it would have to be a this is why I call it a reset or a retool. He wouldn't call it a retool. He specifically said we're not going to retool, but I, I think of retool basically meaning it's not, we're not blowing it up. We're just going to change some of the parts around. And what is tough for them though, is you said it, they, they're not exactly flush with young talent. I like Anthony Simons. I like Nasir little, but one, they don't carry big enough salaries to get you much as a, their salary match. They're more of a, an additional piece to a trade. I guess if you wanted to move Nurkic, you could put one of those guys in that pluses up your salary, pluses up the value of your package and go get something there. But yeah, they're, I think their bigger challenge is Damian Lillard's out 
for probably at least a few more days. Uh, it was going to be reevaluated. I think it's going to be this weekend is when we're going to hear a little bit of news on him. Uh, CJ McCollum is out indefinitely. He's got a pneumothorax, a collapsed uh, right lung. Um, it was funny. I saw some people saying like, is this just because he's, you know, are they really just holding him out because of trade stuff? No, he got crushed on a drive <laughs> against the Celtics and went down hard, barely was able to get up. And, you know, it was uh, initially ribs, which is one of the things that gets presented when you have a collapsed lung they often think you have a rib issue um so yeah and then anthony simons is out uh day to day with an ankle injury cody zeller is out so it's it's rough right now and that's the thing now this is an nba 2k where when a player gets injured you can't trade them that's, that's not a thing that happens in real life and i don't know why that game has that restriction that's fairly stupid to me but um which is probably why i don't play it um <laughs> <laughs> as i go on my soapbox here but i think the bigger challenge for the trailblazers is i didn't realize that it had gotten to this point but they're now 11th they've slipped behind yeah. the kings uh in the play-in uh race here so congrats kings you're a playoff team <laughs> that's it yeah you're a postseason team <laughs> okay um, sure let's let's be clear uh but much like it is in the eastern conference they're 11 and 15 they are only four games out of a uh, home court advantage behind the memphis grizzlies because that's just, things are still super compact yep. so I just it's it's easy to see them get healthy, go on a big run and really push up the standings um, here. But, yeah, I, I don't know where this goes. Uh, all I know is them in Indiana. Everybody's going to have their eyes on them now for the next two months until the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. They're a team that can can 100 percent make the kind of. Yeah, NBA altering move, uh, whether that's not Damian, probably not Damian Lillard now, but but CJ McCollum, certainly an interesting piece that could land a lot of different places. Of course, we've heard the Simmons rumors with, with CJ McCollum being the centerpiece of the Portland package, whether or not the 76ers are interested in that is, of course, up for debate. But um, you, you mentioned the the injury thing, the, the collapsed lung and, you know, are they just holding him out for a trade or something like that? That's not the injury you go to if you're holding out a player for a trade purpose, right? That's where you go with something nondescript, like, oh, he's dealing with a back issue or something like that. You don't go to collapsed lung to keep a player out because they're in trade talks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You you don't, yeah, you, you would say, oh, he's got a sore ankle or yes, he's got back right. soreness or whatever. You It used to be for a while they would use uh, flu-like symptoms. I think we've gotten away from that one yeah. for good reason over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's there. But, yeah, trade deadline, I, I really just realized two months from today is oh, the trade deadline. Look at that. Because we're recording this on December 10th. So, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Um, speaking of the trade deadline, the Rockets, definitely a team yeah. that can make a move. They've got a really good player. One of my favorites. The He's always been my guy. Hot Houston Rockets. <laughs> what are they now? Seven in a row? Something <laughs> Seven like in that? a row. Seven in a row. Yep. And their front office is probably like, yes, but also no. <laughs> what are <Yeah>. you doing? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, Hey, we wanted you to win a few to get off that 15 game losing streak. But yeah, is Eric Gordon's hamstring acting <laughs> up? Uh, Christian Wood got some of that back soreness we were just talking about maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. the, the Rockets. Well, I mean, they're still eight and 16. They're still in the, in the bottom <laughs> yeah. of the Western cup, but I mean, and this, this could end up costing them a lottery spot in theory, which obviously isn't the way that you want to think of things. Well, you want to be in that bottom four, right? Because yeah. that's the, the flattened lottery odds. They're now four games ahead of Detroit uh, for, for the very worst record in the league. They're, they're uh, three up on Orlando uh, for that positioning. They're, they're now ahead of both OKC and New Orleans. So, yeah, that's uh, 
that's a little tenuous. Let's just call it that. You want to probably, you know, get back on that uh, other side of the column. On the on the positive side, though, Stephen Silas was on the hot seat. Yes. Like a week and a half ago, right? Two weeks ago. And so now, obviously, the team, I, I would like to think that some of this is the young players going, we're rallying around our coach. Let's really compete here and let's do it's everything. Like major everything League. Great. Yeah, there you go. It's <laughs> like Major League. It's God, what was the owner's name in that? I can't remember her name. Uh, but, I can't think of but it. Is yeah, I, I hope they don't have pictures of uh, Tillman Fertitta in a bikini in oh, the God. locker room where they're pulling uh, pieces off every time they win a game. <laughs> that, we, that'd we be just, we just lost like half of our viewers on that. and I don't blame them. Um, yeah, look, this is a, a situation where the Rockets were telling him, you guys are losing too much. You're losing too many games. Now they're probably going, wait, 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 just kidding. Now, now you're winning too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gotta go the other way. But that brings us to the big point. Christian Wood very much on the market and a guy that they could trade uh, I would be actually surprised if they don't trade him by the deadline. I think he's a very talented player. He's yeah. been a my guy for a while. He's a player that I think a lot of teams will be interested in. I don't know how much they can get for him, uh, but this is a good player. And I think that it makes some sense for the Rockets to move him, open up some space there for Alper and Sengen to get, get some more minutes. And uh, yeah, I think they can get a decent amount here for Christian Wood. So would not be surprised if he is a guy that is on the move before the trade deadline. Mark it down December 10th. We rarely disagree. I don't think he gets traded. Okay. I, I think he's going to stay right there. So uh, the report, Tim McMahon was on the low post. This is where this came out of. Uh, he said that it was um, the Rockets are not making calls on Christian Wood, but they are taking them. They're they're happy to listen to trade proposals. Um, and, and there is a very real difference there. They're not shopping them. They're not even telling teams like, hey, this guy's available. I mean, other guys on the roster, Eric Gordon, of course, John Wall, like everybody knows, you know, Houston is more than happy to trade those guys. It just sounds like it's more if a team calls and says, hey, what do you think about Christian Wood? It's not a see you later, hang up the phone and, right. you know, block the number kind of thing. It's more of a, well, what do you got? You know, let's talk about it. So I think it is something to keep an eye on. But I think for them, because uh, Tim McMahon also said this, and I agree with him, Wood's only 26. So he's by young the time, enough to be the future, too. Exactly. Yeah. And he's a big man. Big men usually are pretty good into their early 30s. Um, so by the time he's he is kind of hitting his prime, your hope is Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, uh, Alperin Schengen, those guys have taken a step forward enough. Now, I do agree with you. I'd like to see Alperin Schengen get more playing time i'd like to see that be be a thing um for him to to get more minutes there i don't you know know that that's gonna work because they don't seem to want to play him and wood together all that much so that could be your one point there if you really wanted to pivot and say all right we're gonna go for more of a uh four who fits uh with with, with Schengen. um we can go that way but yeah i i, I just i don't know because i just don't think they're gonna get enough value in a trade to to move him yeah, agreed. I, I understand that. I could see where they don't get quite enough. If teams don't see him as, if the Rockets are seeing him as one thing and other teams around the NBA don't quite see him yeah. as that and they're not willing to pay that price, that's where potentially he doesn't get moved. I still think somebody is going to fall in love with just the length that Wouldn't he offers plus me. the three-point shooting sure. and then will offer something like that. But uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. And with... at 13.6 million, very easily movable Absolutely. contract. Great contract. So that's, yeah, anybody can can trade for that without you know, much concern. 100%.
the Golden State Warriors, surprisingly, word comes out that they're not open to trading Wiseman. Now, of course, all it takes is one phone call to change that sure. way of thinking. But but interesting that he is a piece that they're planning on hanging on to when he was involved in so many trade rumors, particularly during the summer, heading into the draft. There was a lot of talk about them packaging Wiseman with the picks that they had, which were 7 and 14 at the time. Now it's sounding more like Wiseman is a guy that the Warriors would like to to keep. And look, the talent is there. They picked him number two overall for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't really lived up to that just yet, particularly when you look at what the third pick has done with LaMelo Ball. But still, I mean, interesting that this is coming out now when for a while he's been presumed to be a guy the Lakers or <laughs> the Warriors would indeed move. Man, I see where your brain is uh, today. <laughs> it's My, bra- my brain is fried at, the, at this yeah. point after last night's Lakers-Memphis yeah. game. I, I oh, dealt with goodness. so many... Um, very angry, let's put it that way, <laughs> Lakers fans last night. Let's table that for just a minute. We'll, we'll yes, get we into that one here in a second. Um, yeah, the Wiseman um, news, Tim Kawakami of The Athletic shared this. He's been very close to that organization mm-hmm. for a long time. They talked to Wiseman. Uh, he, he did an interview uh, just the other day. Uh, the team has also said he's not going to be back until after the first of the year. At some point, they're being very cautious with his return. So it sounds like... Clay Thompson probably a week or two away. Uh, uh, Wiseman probably closer to three to four weeks, maybe even longer. Um, but yeah, they wanted, he laid out, Tim laid out a whole bunch of reasons why they're not going to trade him. One is they believe he's going to be a star. They they believe in his talent. They they think, um, you know, they got this guy who is a seven-footer, who can play inside, outside, can be a de- disruptive defensive force. They, they really feel good about that. There's also uh, financial considerations. He's on a rookie-scale deal uh, for a team that you know, pays a ton, a ton of money and luxury tax. You want to keep that, that uh, build down a little bit. That's a good way to do it. So, but as you said, if it is, uh, you know, player who can vault them full on into being the title favorites comes available and Wiseman's at matching salary. I don't think the Warriors are going to necessarily balk there. Right. Problem is I just, who, who's that guy? I don't think that that player is necessarily out there right now. Yeah, agreed. And I don't know that that's going to change between now and the trade deadline. You never know with the NBA. Sometimes things can move quickly, but yeah, if that if that home run piece isn't out there, then the Warriors would probably just prefer to, to keep him. Yep. Um, you know, you mentioned Clay being back in a week or two, and that instantly got me thinking. We could have a Clay Thompson Christmas, and they're taking on the Phoenix Suns. Like, yeah. As though we as though we don't already have enough to look forward to, just because it's Christmas. But to add that in, gosh, I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it, the Christmas Day slate, I mean, let's just get into it real quick here, is Hawks-Knicks open it up at noon. Mm-hmm. Not bad, right? Trey Young, he did, that crowd loves him, uh, yeah. so that'll be fun. <laughs> that, that's going to uh, be a blast. Not exactly the Christmas spirit, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, then we got Celtics-Bucks. Uh, let, let's see what the Celtics are in a couple weeks by the time we get there. This uh, road trip has done a number on them mm-hmm. right now. But then Warriors-Suns, the middle, middle of the day game, uh, Lakers-Nets still – you know, get it. Lakers are down, but still plenty of star power in that Absolutely. one. And then that night one, if you can make it all the way there, uh, Luca against the Jazz. Um, so it's, a, I mean, this is a really good Christmas slate full of, uh, you know, what should be really interesting games. So, you know yeah, what I uh, miss? I miss the Christmas jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of liked them. Some of them. I, I liked. When they got a little too ugly Christmas sweater looking, I get sure. a little, 
out on that. But yeah, the special Christmas jerseys, yeah, those were fun. Yeah. I mean, but God, these teams already have like 19 different jerseys. And that's and, and that's like, why. That's why personally I would get rid of some of some of the alternates that they've got one of them or something like that, and then just rock the, the Christmas jersey most. one day. Yeah. Because some of them are getting pretty ridiculous. But I'm not a fan of the Lakers alternate jersey at this point. But <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you and me, that's me with most of what they've come up with for the Celtics alternates. But I yeah. I I, how nice was it? We 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 didn't talk about it because because we were both a little under the weather after. But the Celtics Lakers uh, game the other night. Uh, one thing I will say that was really nice about it was Celtics in their traditional road greens. Yes, Lakers in their home yellow. It's exactly what it should be. Yeah, like that's like that's I'm all it so... should be when they're at when they're in L.A. That's what it should be, and when they're in Boston, it should be Boston in their white and Lakers in purple. Lakers in their purple. Yes, off we go. Like it's, I, it's yeah. Why did we? Why did we change this? It just looks wrong <laughs> still. And I wish I feel like old man yelling in a cloud, right? But but why did we change this from anything other than you have a home jersey, you have an away jersey, yeah. mix in an alternate every now and then, and call it good? Why are we doing this thing where you can get Whatever, like with the one that's really driven me nuts, and this is just because obviously I covered the Lakers, but Lakers wearing yellow in Golden State, wearing the, the yeah. it, it just looks wrong. And you see those kind of matchups all the time around the NBA. Uh, the other one that was an eyesore is when you see, what was it? It was like Phoenix in orange, or maybe it was OKC in orange playing Houston in red. That looked yeah. bad. There's and just some weird at halftime. Yeah. Yes, weird yeah, combinations. And I think there was uh, when the Lakers had the light, bu- light blue, like the throwback Minneapolis yeah. ones. I think they play. I want to say maybe, maybe I'm imagining this, but I thought they played the Clippers in a game where they were wearing the light blues, and it just was like that's not like yeah. that's the Clippers color now, not yours. The number one of those that drives me absolutely crazy is there was a period where I want to say it was like three out of four years. The Celtics played at Chicago on St. Patrick's Day and the Bulls wore green. Like, you oh, don't, you don't yeah, win. that would be frustrating. Like, you know, that's one of my so I've a couple long held beliefs with the schedule. I think one thing they've gotten right is I think the defending champion should open at home every year. That should be fine. I would even take that too. I'd be fine if there was only one game that night instead of the doubleheader. But that's a whole other thing. I believe the Celtics should always play at home on St. Patrick's Day. It just makes sense. And then my third one is, I think on Martin Luther King Day, every year, the Hawks and the Grizzlies should play. And just alternate it yes. between the two two sites, two cities, very tied with Martin that's Luther a good King call. Jr. Um, you know, alternated, you know, just make it a game that, you know, the Hawks and Grizzlies are going to play alternated between the two cities every year and go. Mm-hmm. So those are my, those are my long held, uh, beliefs along with just in general, there should always be one game that starts no later than three in the afternoon on Saturday and Sunday, post Sunday post NFL. Um, yes. Season just because you don't need to be going against the NFL necessarily, but there should always be. They've done better with that. Um, but I, I uh, you know, there should just always be some earlier games on the and, weekends. And not just for us here in the United States, but for international Correct. fans to get to see games at a more yep. reasonable time to help grow yeah. the game. Yeah. See, see th- this is not even on our schedule for today of things no. to talk about, <laughs> but these ranted. are all great ideas here. <laughs> Come on, NBA, implement these and listen all to us. I grew out of talking about jerseys. And, and <laughs> I, I will, uh, we did not have a, have a friendly wager on the uh, game. Like we did That's the right, first time they, they played, but I will, I will pay it off uh, sometime soon. I will, I will rock some Lakers coloring. I have, I have an idea of how I can somewhat pull off a uh, purple and yellow 
yellow outfit. So I'll do that soon uh, for for everybody here to to pay it back after Trevor Ward Green, uh, you know, after the Celtics won in Boston. All right, and uh, I did have people some people saying it wasn't green enough, which I didn't know was a thing. <laughs> what I was wearing, but uh, but okay, we, we certainly appreciate that. I did have some people on the Lakers Nation post game show asking, "Where's Keith?" We were, we were <laughs> they were going to be excited to see you when then when the Lakers yeah, won. Yeah, but, um, we should. I mean, that was just poor planning on our part. Yeah. But, oh, well, well, I know both of us were dealing with you know not feeling so great and all that kind of stuff too right around then. So exactly, part of why. Um, all right. So Anthony Edwards, let's talk a little bit about that before we do jump to the Lakers. Cause this I love is, Anthony Edwards, this is, man. this is kind of funny. I mean, this is like, obviously Rudy Gobert is one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. No, he Rudy is, Gobert he is, is the best rim protector. He's a force. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm just looking at, okay. In terms of blocks per game, you've <laughs> sure. got guys who are ahead of him, but yes, he is. He's ridiculous. Yeah. And then Anthony Edwards is like, Nah, Chris Stops Porzingis is more is better and, and, and just <laughs> of all players he went but, to. <laughs> but I but I love it. Like we need more of this in yeah. the NBA. Let's forget about being friends and let's uh let, let's start, you know, taking a few shots at some of the other teams. So I, I like it and uh, especially from a young player like Anthony Edwards who is on the rise. And I mean that's that's a big challenge for him, right? To make these kind of comments about about Rudy Gobert. So it, I'm interested now, even more so to see the next time these guys play. Well, I think what's really funny, too, is he said this in a game where the Jazz beat them by like 30 points. So I think he was a little uh, maybe he's a little bitter, a little angry or something. It could could be. But yeah, his his exact quote was, he don't put no fear in my heart, (laughs) which I just think is great. I love Anthony Edwards. I, I. I am never going to be against a player when, when they speak their mind about somebody and say, you know, Hey, I'm uh, you know, here, here I am. So I'm yeah, a hundred percent. I, you know, I'm all in on this when they play again next time. Well, let's see. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it does ring a little hollow after you just got your, you know, uh, butts whipped up and down the court. But uh, his other comment though, I don't know if you caught the other part of it. No. Um, he talked about Carl Anthony Towns oh, a little okay. bit, and um, he was pretty um, open about his feelings. You know, basically expressed love for Carl Anthony Towns, but said, "Stop waiting, holding the ball, and waiting for double teams to come. Go quick, attack when you get it. You're better than every other center in the league. Uh, go get it. You know, basically show it." Um, Is that Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis. <laughs> hey, he, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, he'd say he said it about yeah. Well, Kentucky big men. In there team. it is mix and match but yeah I, I did think that was a very um very interesting that he's you know kind of here's the second year guy and he's challenging the franchise guy a little bit and saying hey come on man like we we need you at your best if we're gonna be good absolutely and, th- and they certainly do but it's yeah. but you're seeing edwards kind of step into I mean, I don't want to say a leadership role just yet, but that's kind of what, like, you don't make comments on like this when you're just the new guy on the team, right? This is more stepping into kind of claiming your territory and, and he's certainly a rising star in the NBA. So uh, exciting stuff from him. And again, I can't wait to see them play against the jazz again and see what happens. When he, I just uh, want one play where, like, you know, it's one of those, you come off the, the pick and roll, go bears back and the floor just opens up and just, let Edwards challenge Gobert at the rim, you know, straight on, you know, let's see what happens. You know, that's, I also tend to think, you know, this is just, we've gone a little off the rails here, so I'm going to go fully off the rails. You know how there's penalty kicks in soccer? Yeah. I've always thought is what if like we did something instead of like the clear path foul, what if it was then it's just one-on-one and you have to take the shot in the paint. 
That's, like so, you you pick your best guy, they pick their best guy, and you gotta you go right at them. Do you remember Slam Ball? Yeah, that's exactly that, that's what I yeah that's that's what that is. Slam Ball. Let's somehow. do that. Bring out the trampolines, <laughs> yeah. and, and most <laughs> yep. people are probably no listening get... to us right now, saying, "What the hell are they talking about?" <laughs> yeah. Go! I'm well, sure there's clips of it online. Go yeah. find this if you're old enough. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. How did no one get like seriously like broken legs injured in slam ball? I mean, maybe it happened and we just didn't know. It but, wasn't on TV yeah. that much, but no. But basically, they try to combine combine football and basketball plus through in trampolines, which is as, <laughs> yeah. as ridiculous. And you as could it tackle sounds. guys in yeah. midair. And, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, it was it, yeah, it was something. So, I, I right. like that well, idea. Let's, let's finish the show talking about actual sports. <laughs> all right, um, <laughs> Dylan Brooks, John Morant, both dealing with health and safety protocols, did not stop the Memphis Grizzlies from still taking down the Lakers last night. Uh, my summation of the game: I I actually got a message this morning from from an agent who said, "Listen to the show from last night." Uh, and, and said that I, I said the terms effort and energy like 50 times, which is probably accurate because the Lakers had none. But I think the big news here is uh, these guys being in, in health and safety protocols. We talked about this a little bit with the Eastern Conference. Uh, this is something that is hitting teams. The Grizzlies were mm-hmm. able just through I mean, grit and grind, right, to still get the job done. But it's something to keep an eye on as teams start to lose players. Uh, but I guess the positive side, John Morant and his injury. Sounds like they dodged a bullet there, and uh, and he could be in uh, in pretty decent shape. Yeah, he was starting to do some encore work before uh, getting put in the protocols, which is is great news. Absolutely, that, that he's at least that close uh, to come back because that did look really scary. But yeah, I mean, there the fact that it, it was not a, a banner offensive performance by any means by by the Grizzlies last night, but I thought it was interesting that they still got it done enough. Mm-hmm. I guess offensively. I mean, in to your effort point, 14 offensive rebounds, including eight from Steven Adams. That's not that's that shouldn't happen if you're the Lakers. No. That's kind of unacceptable. And, it, and it's, you know, now here's Celtics guy chiming in just a couple days after they went all over the glass and dominated the exactly. Celtics, you know, especially in that second half. Uh, you know, really kind of you know took it to Boston. But yeah, it was um, you know, Desmond Bain is really good. Jaron Jackson Jr. had a big, big game on that one. But yeah, I mean the Grizzlies, they're they're they've done more than hang in there. Uh, with, with uh, John Morant out, they are seven and three in their last ten games. They're up to fourth in the West now. Uh, they're they're not going to crack Golden State, Phoenix, Utah at the top. But I think no one is at this point. I think those three teams are pretty well locked in in some order in the top three spots, barring something crazy. But I mean, Grizzlies are they're they're tough, man. Because I I I know I thought I thought a slide was coming uh with jaw out i was like they're just they're, they're just not gonna hang in they just don't have enough and then you know let's see how they find offense that's gonna be the big thing it's gonna have to mm-hmm. be like last night just get a few of the shooters the shots and then really you know work the glass try to get easy stuff inside you know as much as you can because that's that's got to be what they have to do because they just don't have the creation uh without without uh moran and brooks well and the the lakers just I mean, didn't they didn't arrive in Memphis? They never showed no. up. Showed up, and so they, you know, twenty-two turnovers on the night that created Memphis's offense for them for yeah. the most part because they could just get in transition and then go from there. I think they, I want to say bad they, turnovers too. Oh, just like not like just like not a lot trying. of live ball turnovers. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, not not bit, locked yeah. in at all. Which was which, of course, was a gut punch to Lakers fans who felt like, okay, they maybe this time it's been like five times this season we've said, okay, maybe they finally Celtics clicked too. and realized, yeah, and the Celtics have been dealing with the same thing. 
maybe this is the point where they finally realize the energy they have to play with on a night-to-night basis and then got slammed by that. So there were a lot of upset Lakers fans, and rightfully so, but credit to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were a lot of fun to watch. They were flying all over the place, really competing. That's going to help get them by without Jaw, and then hopefully when Mm -hmm. Jaw comes back, um, they will be able to continue that because, frankly, I don't think they played with quite this much energy on the defensive end when jaw was there i feel like the entire team has had to pick it up but sure. if jaw comes back and they're able to sustain even what like 80 percent of this intensity level that we saw last night this team's going to be really really good mm-hmm. yeah and their depth is better than i think people realize uh-huh. i mean you're seeing now tyus jones probably one of the better backup point guards in the league. Deontay Melton's a nice uh, third guard to have in there. We already talked. Bain is is really coming on as a shooter, scorer type. Uh, can really defend, too. He's uh, you know, really got that good, strong base, so he can take on a lot of the bigger wings. I thought he did a good job against LeBron uh, yeah. on, on uh, several plays, at least making him work uh, for stuff. And then, you know, when you – then you get in when they're healthy. Got guys like Kyle Anderson, uh, Brandon Clark off the bench. Uh, just it's it's a team that's got pretty solid depth. Um, future is really bright in Memphis because it's just it's pretty clean cap sheet. They, they don't have a lot of bad money sitting on there or anything. And uh, you know if this is what you can get out of Stephen Adams, you'll you'll take it. This is you know a, a bunch of rebounds. You know setting. I mean he's setting screens like he was a you know brick wall mm-hmm. out there on guys. So yeah, it's a uh, you know you you'll live with this kind of kind of output for him despite you know the fact that he's probably the only uh, questionable contract on their team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think that about wraps wraps things up for today. Obviously, we had a lot to get through. If you have not done so yet, please make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. If you're listening to us on uh, on the podcast version, make sure you do follow us over on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see you.